He is faithful, amen? amen? And he is loving. That's what we've been talking about over these weeks past. Uh, this series called Love Does. I hope and pray that from the sermons uh, that we've had over these last five Sundays that you are be, being reminded of what Jesus' love is really like. We have taken a uh, story each week from the Gospels highlighting from that story how Jesus loved. We have looked at John chapter 8 where the adulterous woman was thrown at the feet of Jesus. We have looked at Luke chapter 10 where Jesus talked about the Good Samaritan. We have looked at John chapter 13 where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. We've looked at John chapter 4 where Jesus met the woman at the well in Samaria. And we have also uh, looked at John chapter 6 where Jesus fed the 5,000. Each of these stories highlighting the love that Jesus had for people. And from these stories we've emphasized the following points. We have said that love meets needs. I mean, love is not one that just says, be warm and be filled. Rather, love is one that sees a need and then meets that need. Love is more than words. Love is action. We have said that love crosses all barriers and love speaks the truth because love is soul conscious. We have said that love serves out of a spirit of humility. We have said that love is from the Spirit. As the Spirit of God is in us, as we are growing in the Spirit, then He grows us in His love. And love refuses to be judgmental. Love is one that insists on reaching out and meeting a need. Love is winning over prejudice. Love is that which lays aside our own personal self-interest and love helps us be interested in the needs of others. Love is from God. That's what 1 John chapter 4 says. As we get to know God, as we are filled up with His Holy Spirit, then we can begin to love the way He loves. I have another passage today that I want to emphasize to you to highlight the love of Jesus, and it is a challenging passage for all of us. Would you look with me at Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 34. Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 32, it says, Two others also who were criminals were being led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Do you know what else love does? Love forgives. It's hard for us to imagine this kind of forgiveness. Think with me what all of these, these folks have been doing to Jesus just prior to his prayer of forgiveness. They shouted for his death while they let a murderer named Barabbas go free. 
They beat him unmercifully with a whip to within an inch of his life. The psalmist said that they plowed furrows in his back. A few weeks ago, I plowed my garden, and that one bottom plow that I have, it cut very deeply into the soil, and it just laid it over so nicely. That's what the cat-o'-nine-tails did to the back of Jesus. It cut furrows into his back. They put a crown of thorns on his head and then they took a stick and they beat that crown of thorns deeply into his brow. They spit on him. They hit him in the face with their fists. They took a hold of his beard and they yanked the hairs out. They cursed him and they ridiculed him. They paraded him in front of a crowd and marched him to his place of execution as though he was one who had done something wrong. They crucified him between two thieves. They hammered those nails into his hands and feet. And all of that was unjustly done to him, and yet he offered a prayer of forgiveness saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. You talk about amazing grace. That is amazing grace at its best. Knowing that he had the power to react and to bring retaliation to this crowd. But instead of doing that, he prayed forgiveness to them. And to bring it even closer to home, remember that he has offered that same forgiveness to you and me. Our sins helped hammer those nails into his hands and feet. Though we were not there physically, our sins helped put him on that cross. Your sins and my sins are the reason that he died, and yet he is willing to wipe our slate completely clean. Love does forgive. And so let me ask you this morning, does your love forgive? Through all of my years of ministry, there's one thing that I have continued to pick up on that is absolutely shocking to me, and it is this. I have been shocked at the number of Christian people who carry grudges. They they are unwilling to let them go. They have people in their past or in their present who have offended them. And yes, in talking with them, they have truly been offended. They have been upset. And yet they are willing, they are unwilling to let those offenses go. And I would imagine that even in this room here this morning, there are people who are holding on to a grudge against someone in their present or in their past. Maybe, maybe the grudge is against an ex-spouse who has done you wrong, who has been unfaithful to you or abusive to you. Maybe that ex-spouse is still making life miserable for you. Maybe the grudge that you have is against a person who has abandoned you. Maybe your parent has abandoned you. Maybe your parent was abusive to you. Maybe the grudge is against a sibling who, like Jacob, cheated his brother Esau out of his inheritance. Or maybe your grudge is against a person who is, who is a friend who has betrayed you or a boss or a neighbor who has been impossible to live with. 
There, there are all kinds of people that cross paths with us in our life that will make life difficult for us. Sometimes it's, it's a person who is in our church family, someone who sits across the auditorium from you that you have a problem with. We all are faced with difficult people. We are all are challenged in this area. We are oftentimes offended. We have to come to that point in our life where we are willing to give up those offenses. Hear me say this. An unforgiving spirit is never justifiable before God. Think about that. An unforgiving spirit is never justifiable before God. It doesn't matter how badly you've been offended. It doesn't matter how deep you have been hurt. An unforgiving spirit is never the right response in God's sight because His grace is bigger than that offense that you have. If you look to Him, He can help you let go of that offense. And when you do, when you let go of that offense, it will be as though you are being set free from a terrible, terrible prison. Love does forgive. Would you say that with me? Love does forgive. And I'm not in any way suggesting that it is an easy thing. If we have been offended, it can be a very difficult thing to let go of, but it is necessary. We must forgive. We are most like Jesus when we forgive our offender. Jesus, in this passage that we've looked at, He was 100% in the right. He had done nothing wrong. The Hebrew author says that He was without sin. He had done nothing except love His neighbor, and then His neighbors turned around and crucified Him, and yet He was willing to offer a prayer of forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. So, brothers and sisters, the truth I want you to grab a hold of today is this. Love forgives. And if you are one who is holding a grudge against someone of your past or your present, you know what I'm doing this morning? I am calling you out in the name of Jesus to let go of that grudge. Give it to Him. Let Him set you free from your prison of unforgiveness. Believe me, if you are holding a grudge against someone, it is hurting you more than it is hurting that person. It is time that you let go of that grudge, that you have those chains unloosened that are binding you. Let me give to you some reasons as to why you must forgive your offender. First of all, Jesus commanded it. And really, this is reason enough for us. If Jesus said it, then we should do it. He's God's Son. He's the one who is sitting on the throne. He is the sovereign King. He is the Lord of all. He is the resurrected Christ. He is the judge to whom we must give account to. He is the Creator of all things. So why wouldn't we, the created, do what the Creator tells us to do. 
Isaiah the prophet uses the analogy of a potter and his clay. He says the clay doesn't argue with the potter, does it? No, the clay is in the potter's hands and the clay succumbs to the potter's will. And so we too should succumb to the Father's will. When there is a need for forgiveness, we should forgive. In Matthew 18, Peter came to Jesus and asked Him, How often shall I forgive my brother? Up to seven times? Now, I have to tell you, Peter, in this instance, was being very generous. Traditionally, according to the rabbinic teaching of the day, a person was required to forgive their neighbor three times. And so for Peter to suggest seven times, that was very big of Peter. But Jesus shocked Peter and the other disciples as He said to him, no, not seven times, rather 70 times seven. Now, Jesus was not meaning 490 times and on the 491st time, then you don't have to forgive. No, He's using a figure of speech here. He is saying, Peter, you keep on forgiving. You keep on forgiving because that's how God has forgiven you. And following that conversation with Peter, Jesus then told a parable about an unforgiving servant. You remember, this was the fellow who had an unpayable debt. He, there was no way that he could pay this debt. He could have worked 24-7 for the rest of his life, and he could not have made enough money to pay this debt off. He went to his master, and he begged for forgiveness, and lo and behold, the master wiped his slate clean. He forgave him of the whole debt. Now, you can imagine how this servant must have felt. He was thrilled. He was, he was set free from this debt that was hanging over his head. And so what does he do? He goes out and he crosses paths with a fellow servant who owed him a very meager amount of money. And he demands that that fellow servant pay him immediately. And when the fellow servant begs, for mercy, and he says, give me time, I will pay you. The first servant had no mercy towards him. He, in fact, had him thrown into jail because he couldn't pay that debt. And when the master heard what happened, he called the first servant back into his presence, and I'll just say to you, it was not a good day for him. Jesus expects us to forgive as we have been forgiven. Let me read to you a couple of passages of Scripture. Colossians 3.13. It says, Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And really, about any time in Scripture that you see a command given to us to forgive others, it's based on God's forgiveness to us. We forgive because we have been 
forgiven. His forgiveness to us compels us to forgive others. How can we expect Him to forgive us if we are unwilling to forgive others? That leads me to the next reason for why we should be offering forgiveness to others. And that is this. Eternity demands that we forgive. And all of this is tied together. We cannot be forgiven if we are unwilling to forgive others. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Matthew or Mark chapter 11, verses 25 and 26 says this, Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you of your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. And don't forget to read the ending of that parable that I referenced to you just a moment ago. I said to you that when the master found out what the first servant had done, that he was unwilling to forgive the second servant, the master called that first servant back in before him, and it was not a good day for him. It really wasn't. It says that he called that servant back in in front of him and rebuked him, and it says, and I quote from Scripture, he handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. And the next verse, verse 35, then says, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. You see, eternity demands that we forgive our brother. Our soul is crying out for us to forgive our brother and our sister. It, it really doesn't matter what's been done to you. It doesn't matter even how deep the hurt. God is one who can comfort you amidst that. But, but what matters most is that we simply forgive, that we let go of that offense against us. And Jesus is able to help us with that. If Jesus was able to forgive those who had offended Him, He is then able to give to us the strength that we need and the capability that we need to offer forgiveness to our offenders. And don't you think that if retribution is needed to your offender, God is able to take care of that? And he is. And He will do the right thing. And He will have the last say. Let me give to you a third point as to why we should forgive. The world is watching us. And they need to see Jesus in us. The world is not accustomed to seeing a forgiving spirit. What the world is accustomed to seeing is revenge and retribution. Don't just get even, but get ahead, the world says. 
The world is used to division and separation and isolation and hatred and and bitterness. The world is used to this attitude that says, I'll teach you. I won't talk to you. I'll walk away from you. I'll talk against you. Don't expect to hear from me again. I mean, that's the norm. But when the world sees grace being offered, and when the world sees forgiveness being given and love reaching out, then that's when the world will take notice. That may be the best picture of Jesus that the world will ever see. Is to see you offering forgiveness to the person who has offended you. It will intrigue the world. It will interest the world. It will be attractive to them. It will convict them. And they'll begin to ask questions. Why are you doing that? And you'll be able to tell them that it's all because of Jesus. Love does forgive. And as we sing this invitation song today, I want simply to ask you to let go of your grudges. If there is anyone in this room that's holding on to a grudge, I want to invite you to come to the front and simply kneel and pray to God. This this is an altar up here. And give your grudges to Him. There was a fellow after the first service today that came up to me and said, I let go of some grudges today. Another person in the lobby, he he didn't come to the front, but he came up to me and he said, I'm working on what you're talking about today. You were talking to me. Let's let go of some grudges. Let's be set free from the prison of unforgiveness. Let's stand together.